0: And welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. You're here with me, Samrin, and Tom on our flagship show. So, Tom, how are you doing? And pretty, how's your weekend been?
1: Pretty good. Um, despite the, the frustration from Bayern Munich, picking up a terrible result, I've been trying to stay active. I've uh, done about, like, I always joke, I'm trying to be like Julian Nagelsmann and all of his extreme sports and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, a lot of you guys know I've been big into biking the past couple of months, so I clocked in about 35 miles between Friday and yesterday, because it's Sunday at the time of recording. Don't know if yeah. I'm going to get any in today. My legs are pretty toast. And as I, as I just showed you on our Slack channel, I had a pretty exciting morning with a coyote paying a visit to my backyard. So mm. that's the first time that's ever happened. So, and this is always... Also, the first time I've been on the uh, pod with just you. So it- it's a a morning of first for me, I, I guess. And uh, yeah, yeah Tom... we're going to get into some uh, Bayern crisis mode stuff. Yeah, I
0: it's a morning of first. And it's also kind of a first-ish for Bayern. This is the first time that Bayern has not won four games for Bundesliga games in a row since 2001. Oh, Jesus. Which means we got to talk about this drop-in form again. So I asked, we did this l- I think, a week ago, and we're going to do this again. Tom, why do you think Byron has had a drop in form since the start of the season, and what do you think is causing it?
1: For me, I think the biggest thing, you know, I I try to look at a lot of different things and look at this, especially from a former player and obviously a washed-up, you know, adult league player myself, and, you know, I look at things like XG, And a game like yesterday, where I think our XG, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, I think it finished just below two, yet we only scored one goal, and I think Alex Berg's, to be fair, uh, was just a little bit lower than ours, but I think we can all agree that the goal they scored was just, uh, you know, free kick, Leroy Zane kind of fell asleep on defense, Um, as Hassan Salihama just spoke about, just like the team Augsburg was very physical. If you were paying Mm -hmm. attention to my live tweets, I really felt that, uh, especially the fouls on Masrawi, um, you'll see in my, uh, ratings piece, that's going to come out later today. Like I really felt like he was hard done by, I thought he was standing firm. You know, he had that brilliant through ball to Sadio Mane in the first half, but, you know, Gikowitz just decided he was going to be on summer yesterday, stuck his foot out, denied Mane getting around him. Mm-hmm. It's very, it is very frustrating. I mean, I know that's kind of like a, uh, there's no real thing, you know, maybe there's yeah. some kind of magic spell that all these goalkeepers get together and they actually perform like some kind of like ceremony before they play Bayern. Cause it does seem that a lot of them pop up with like career performances, mm-hmm. um, you know, Flecken, if you remember when uh, yeah. in Freiburg mm-hmm. when Lewandowski was going for the record, obviously Jan Sommer pretty much every time and Gikowitz. Uh, yeah. And even even last year, Samarin, this game was a banana skin for us. We lost uh, two to one mm-hmm. at the at the WWK arena against yeah. Ellensburg. So it, it seems like it's always <clears throat> a bit of a banana skin. But I just really do think a lot of it does come down to finishing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the goals we're conceding are not entirely different than the goals we've been conceding either last season, the season before. Mm-hmm. I know that we're getting used to a slightly different backline, but I can't. You know, Upa Makano has made his mistakes, but I think he's. I actually think he was one of our better players yesterday. Yeah. I think yeah. he's continuing to showing to show improvements. Matthias Delict I thought was was all right. There was a couple times I I felt that he let Niederlechner kind of get the better of him and made the mm-hmm. decision to let the ball bounce and use his muscle and strength and Niederlechner <laughs> kind of gave him a lot. Like it yeah. was weird. Like he clearly could have made a play on mm-hmm. the ball before it hit the ground but he decided to, you know, let it bounce. And, you know, take the more difficult option. And Niederlechner caused him a lot of difficult situations. But I always like to look at everything's going from back to front. So we've had rotations in the back, Mm -hmm. rotations in midfield. Obviously, Leon Goretzka is just back. I personally think maybe um, he was rushed back into the starting lineup just a little bit, despite Mm -hmm. his eagerness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Nagelsmann's decision to decide who starts. But I think we can agree how much it was working with uh, Kimmich and Sabitzer as that pivot. Yeah. So. I'm kind of tying this point in like rotations, different Uh personnel, while their jobs might be the same, like they're different movements, you know, different mannerisms, it Uh will affect things. Yeah. Just the the different movements they have, their their tendencies, different things they do off the ball, on the ball, it will change things. And we're going to have to get used to that with the amount of times we're going to have to make rotations this season. Right. You know, right. uh, getting everything in like it's crazy. The Champions League, the mm-hmm. entire group stage is going to be played before we break for the World Cup. But mm-hmm. yeah, just at the tip of the spear for me, it's just the finishing. Finish. Like I'm pretty sure that you know, take Valfel Balcom, take that match out of the equation. Maybe take uh, Frankfurt out of the occasion since we yeah. absolutely thwarted and uh, demolished both of those teams with what, mm-hmm. like almost twelve goals. Uh, or I think it was six goals. and seven,
0: right? Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then
1: all of the other matches. Yeah, I would say that I think it easily, easily against the mentioned Glabach, the one-one draw, mm-hmm. probably seventy-five <laughs> percent more chances than we actually yeah. showed for on the score yeah. sheet. Yeah. Even yesterday, I think there's no reason we should we should not have had at least two goals mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Um, Union Berlin maybe is the outlier. I'm not sure what our XG was from that match, but
0: it was pretty low. It was below one.
1: Yeah, that yeah. for me is kind of the one-off. I think that to me uh-huh. that was actually one of the more concerning results. Yeah, even though we lost yesterday, because yeah, things just nothing really seemed to be working against them, and everybody seemed to be kind of be out of sync. But uh, uh-huh. even Wolfsburg, the two 0 no, I think we our XG was probably higher than that. Yeah. Um, and in yesterday, to me, it just kind of seemed like we talked about on Slack too many backheels, too many intricate things. Like it yeah. seemed like uh nobody wanted to make the simple pass. And there was just an extra touch. And it just kind of seems like this. Every the, the, the psychology psychology was creeping in, like, when mm-hmm. you the score. And they were almost getting panicked by mm-hmm. that. And it was resulting in, you know, lower percentage opportunities. And then you had Leroy Sané having a hit from 25 yards out and went over the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Mane, I think his performance kind of illustrates this entire fact. It's like the harder yeah. he tried, the worse he got. I yeah. felt so bad for him. He Me was too. trying. He was hustling just some heavy touches on the break, heavy touches when he was getting to the byline and trying to whip it back in. And a lot of crosses just went begging. And um, uh-huh. I-, I made a comment too. It was like Muller. I thought he was getting to the right spaces, making the right movements. So he was like the old, he was like the, uh, the dad of the team. It's just like <laughs> he's telling everybody what to do and how to make the right play. They just weren't doing it. And he's just kind of holding his hands up like, Oh man, yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, and that's just how it felt. And I guess that's a little motif for all of these drop points that we've had. Yeah. It's just, the chances yeah. they need to be better make the simple options it was funny my mom was watching the game with me and she yeah. was saying that uh stanisich when he came on he was seemed like the only guy who wanted to make the uh, the simple option and the yeah. right option instead of all this uh, over intricate stuff yeah the attacking third and it got frustrating because it's like lads you know just do the simple thing do the Take right the thing simple do options. it with pace do it with intensity do mm-hmm. it with purpose and, and you know maybe we'll make the most of these yeah. chances, regardless of if our opposition goalkeeper is having a, you know, a, a world-class performance or not. And I think it showed in Inter Milan and Barcelona, nothing yeah. intricate, very quick one and two-touch passing, not a lot of back heels and flicks like mm-hmm. we saw yesterday for no reason. And, you know, ooh, look at what happened against those. We scored four goals, conceded zero, and we won both of those games against very difficult opponents. And Sam Wren, I think you would probably agree.
0: To I be fair. I don't think Olin, Berlin, Gladbach, yeah. and
1: Augsburg, I yeah. don't think they're better teams than Inter Milan and Barcelona, but.
0: I mean, Inter Milan, <laughs> though. Okay. Like, mm, I would pause on that one. But to be fair, in both Inter Milan and Barcelona, Inter Milan, we literally give the ball to them around the 82nd yeah. minute. Like, hey, and score on us. To Barcelona, and they... I
1: would say, too, Lewandowski yeah. makes his chances. Ironically enough, that's who we're talking yeah. about. That result's a lot different, but we definitely got let off a little there.
0: We, big time. And. While the finishing is the major problem for me as well, I think what really does bother me a lot is the double pivot in midfield, because that's where we seem to lose more battles than we used to. I've seen, I've seen this with Kimmich time and time again, and yesterday this happened again. He didn't track his runner, and his runner was the one who scored the goal yesterday.
1: Yeah, and he like he looked out of sorts yesterday, he, like just kind of so. like you know, getting a step behind and just flailing his foot at, at things and very uh-huh. unlike him. I know Chuck, when he listens to this, he's always been an advocate, even I feel like for two years of giving that uh-huh. guy more rest. But he just always seems to be like, if there's an important situation, whoever the manager is, it's just going to stick him in the starting 11. He yeah. could be he could be like showing up on IVs and crutches, and be like, nope, coach, <laughs> I want to play. And they'd be like, all right, you're getting in there,
0: which is which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. I love an eager player. I love somebody who wants to play all the time. But Bayern has always been about the team above the player to the point where we sold Lewandowski. And we are clearly seeing the impact of selling Lewandowski. Well, I don't want to rush to that one, actually, because we do create enough chances. These guys used to be capable of finishing once upon a time, and now their finishing has completely gone out of the window. So, Tom, do you think we really do miss Lewandowski and we should sign a striker in January?
1: The first part of that question, definitely yes. If you take out a player who scores averages at least 30 goals a season, to be conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know he hit that 41 goal mark and he's capable of that because yeah. he literally did it, mm-hmm. right? But you know, you, you want to use a conservative number. Yeah. How many seasons did he have below 20? I think maybe like one recently where he, he had, had some one even. injury, injury troubles. Oh, it maybe in the in first, the Bundesliga, Tega. yeah, yeah, exactly, but not
0: in total. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, Tori Khan owns concerned like he's pretty much won all of them in the past uh five to six years, yeah. Um, so he. Obviously, if you take a guy like that, that out of any side, whether it's Bayern Munich or a Premier League side, Serie A side or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Or you could even use, uh, what was it, Chiro Immobile at, at uh, Lazio. He had the, um, was it the golden boot? Is that what they yeah, call? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, You're there's so many awards. Yeah. Remember he beat Lewandowski to it one year just because of all the freaking penalties he gets. <laughs> yeah. um, and we all complained about it. Yeah. So, like, you take him out of Lazio, obviously, I think. While they might find different ways to score, I don't know much about them, to be quite honest, other than when we decimated them a few seasons ago in mm-hmm. the Champions League.: They're obviously going to hurt. And as you just mentioned, the chances are there, And I know that I've been on with Schnitzel before. I know that yeah. uh, a lot of our other podcasters kind of echo the fact that a setup without a natural striker is becoming the, you know, the norm, mm-hmm. uh, the modern. I don't yeah. want to mention Liverpool on this pod. I know some people don't like when I do that, but <laughs> look at them and their success under Jurgen Klopp. Never yeah. a natural number nine. It was always, you know, the front three. Mane, mm-hmm. uh, Salah, and Firmino, and Jota, Luis Diaz, uh, mm-hmm. Salah. Depending on who it is, like, none of these guys are natural number nine strikers, but with, like, a 4-3-3, uh, not a 4 3 one or, like, a you know, a 4-5-1 or something, mm-hmm. with, with a false nine, just such fluid movement between you know, four or five different attackers that can cause a threat on goal that can interchange positions, uh-huh. much like uh Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane, Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala. Uh-huh. These guys all do that, like, beautifully well, in my opinion. Uh-huh. They can flip-flop positions, even Gnabry and Coman, when they're involved. Uh-huh. Uh, Gnabry, for me, has been a little underwhelming, but that's a, a side question, uh-huh. a side discussion. But you know, I think it was uh, Tedesco had said before he was fired, it's like uh, arrows from a bunch of different directions and you don't know how to dodge them. Yeah. Because whereas before Lewandowski obviously the target man and he's going to get a lot of the attention from the opposition defense. And I, I feel like, um, I think it was Raphael Honigstein said this yeah. on The Athletic in the middle of the week. I want to make sure I get my credit right when I'm giving it. <laughs> that a lot of times maybe when Lewandowski was around, the onus... Was kind of on uh, our wide players and other attackers to feed him. Right. Because right? Lewandowski had made complaints before about when Nagelsmann was trying to make tactical adjustments. He's kind of like, you know, he didn't really say it, but so he's like, oh, who are you? Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm the yeah. one who's averaging X amount of goals a season. Yeah. Look at my repertoire. I don't really need to listen to what you're saying because I mm-hmm. can get it done myself. You just need to make sure all the other players are feeding me. Mm-hmm. So they might have uh, felt that. They were trying to make that decision to feed him instead of doing something that they do this season without mm-hmm. him there. Um, mm-hmm. and as we as we've seen, when we're on our day, it can be very creative, very fluid, very, very, very entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but when teams dial in and, and kind of zero in on how to thwart all of those threats and our finishing isn't great, then it's very painful to watch, as we, yeah. as we saw yeah. yesterday. But so I think just because the evidence is there mm-hmm. and if had Let's say the Champions League group stages hadn't started, or we were. Um, let's maybe say that we started against uh, Pelzinen. I'm yeah. sorry if I pronounced that wrong. And then uh, we had our double header against either Barca or Inter this time, because you know we reach mm-hmm. your third, your third and fourth, our fourth games, yeah, all, our same opponent, mm-hmm. which is great for us that Inter and Barca um, are playing each other twice, so they can take points off of each other. Mm-hmm. Great mathematics for us, so we get two wins. Or even even with one win against Pelzen, we could already guarantee succession into the knockouts, depending on how, how those two results go. But just you know, to answer the second part of your question, the evidence is literally there that we don't need a natural number nine striker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even think uh, Brazo said something about that's not really something they're going to worry about in January. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we, if if like the finishing, like I was talking about, if the XG is still super high and we are just not finishing whatsoever maybe there might be a need and you know if if things go way worse Uh and let's we're like just drifting further and further down the table in the Hinrunda before we break uh for Qatar you know the World Uh Cups, maybe but right now the evidence is there we can score we still Uh have I still think don't we have the most goals in the Bundesliga even though we didn't score yesterday 19 I think
0: I think think we do, actually. Let me let me check up on that. And there were
1: there were no other massive scoreline games yesterday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I doubt anyone uh, usurped us in that sense. So the like I said, the evidence is there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it comes down to getting a striker. I just think it comes down to uh, like the finishing, the rotations, mm-hmm. like you said, and, you know, that midfield pivot, whether it's a two or a three, we definitely need to, to figure yeah. that out.
0: And you are correct. We have 19 goals. The second highest is Union Berlin, who are playing right now on 14, and Frankfurt, who have also scored 14 goals. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. unless I
1: checked, it was zero zero Volsberg. Yeah, I don't know if that's and, changed.
0: Yep, it's changed. Union's leading one Ooh, I yeah. think
1: I have a uh, Ryerson in my fantasy team. So <laughs> I hope somehow maybe he whipped in a cross. But uh, hold on to that clean sheet for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Teams.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but obviously, as a Bayern fan, I hope Volsberg yeah. can pull a shocker. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I doubt it. I I was having a shocker of a season. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think the board will have to go for a striker in January and not necessarily because we can't do without one. I think in what is it in 14, 15 years that I have watched Bayern, we have never played without a striker Manchester city spent Years playing without one. Pep builds his teams to play without a number nine. And yet, getting a natural number nine just made them that much more unbeatable and that much more better. Ironically, that's also the number nine we were after. And that's why we might have lost out on Lewandowski. Yeah,
1: he just yeah. had another record, too, I think. Uh, first four away matches. Scoring was, in the Premier League. Yeah. Another record for Erling Haaland in the Prem already.
0: Yeah, I was checking his uh goals tally yesterday. He already has eleven goals in the Premier League. The next highest is yeah. Harry Kane on six. It's not even close. And I'm not saying we needed Holland. We have enough talented players. We need from what I see, we need a mid level striker. Like somebody who's just a little above, let's say, modest level.
1: Sam Rain, it's so uh like serendipitous you're talking about that the hunting side and the athletic yeah. interview that I mentioned from earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Awesome discussion, uh, about about very that he's like yes, Bayern yeah. tick the box. They did show their interest in Holland, even though they knew mm-hmm. probably not going to be able to pay his wages after yeah. he um got so inflated and actually became who he was and had Mino Raiola at the time. Um, obviously, yeah. rest in peace to him and uh became a. I'm not sure who his agent is now. I think someone mm-hmm. else took over. Um, but. And the same thing and like they were going into the history of like the same thing you were just talking about, like Modest. That's kind of Bayern's model, you know, investing in the Bundesliga, maybe someone who's not already at that tier one Uh status. Because if you look at our history, that's kind of a similar business model that we follow. Yeah. Looking in the Bundesliga guys who maybe aren't quite tier one and they become tier one at Bayern. Uh Um, They were even going. I didn't know this. Apparently, we were close to signing Diego Maradona at one point.
0: Way oh, back again.
1: wow uh, that i did That's not know of at all and even you know talking about guys like Ribery, uh, robin like remember what their career tra- ca- jesus this is a tongue, twister, <laughs> tongue twister career, <laughs> career trajectories, trajectories were yeah. when uh before like uh ribere was like he was getting ready for a big move to real madrid and look yeah. at the history he created at Bayern munich by yeah same with yeah. Uh, robin they literally dubbed a uh you know the nickname Robbery because of how they were. So it's very interesting that you say that. um, And you know, shout out to Huntingstein and the Athletic for making those discussions. But it's just that's right on my mind. And you're talking about this, (laughs) and it's exactly what makes what's made us work. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not always just to say if you slap the massive wages on that tier one guy, it's not Mm -hmm. automatically going to translate to success. Exactly.
0: We saw what happened with Sane, for that matter. So. I would really, I don't know who in the Bundesliga right now fits that model because Patrick Schick is way out of our league for now. It's it's not going to happen. But and I don't think we really need a permanent signing. We could do a loan deal for somebody for six months. But this team to me is crying out for a finisher. You'll see in the box, and I see this again and again, somebody's looking at somebody else like you should. And that's not how this works. Other than Leon Goretzka, we have a really shot-shy team. Nobody wants to do it unless they're literally in front of the goal line, on the goal yeah. line. Sane to uh, Sabitzer yeah.
1: yesterday, I think, was one. Yeah. Lose ball, and it wasn't, it wasn't too far off. I'm like, it was right, too good. far off. Have yeah. a hit, son. Do it.
0: Yeah. Those are the guys taking the chances. And I do want to point out one thing about Sané that really gets under my skin. I think he's been having a very good season, but he tends to hold the ball too long. and that that tends to ruin any offensive momentum or any offensive fluidity we have. So from the striker question, I do want to talk about Julian Nagelsmann because we know he doesn't really play with the natural number nine. He didn't do it at Leipzig. And the Bayern board acquiesced to his demands. And we have players who are molded to play in the Nagelsmann style. But in Bayern, when a few results like this go wrong, I think it is natural that we have to talk about the manager. Now we, I think agree on the fact that we don't want to really see Nagelsmann fired. At least that's what, how I feel. Do you feel the same way, Tom?
1: Yes, I do. I just think that um, it would cause more problems adjusting to a new manager. And I I think that a lot of the players have bought in uh, to his systems and you know, I do feel that a lot of the rumors and discussions about unrest in the locker room, I, like I'm not as bothered by guys like Goretzka or, you know, maybe someone in attack with the amount of attackers that we have, just yeah. being a little peeved mm-hmm. that they're not starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Goretzka, it, to me, it's like you were just out for X amount of weeks with a knee injury. Like, mm-hmm. why would you expect to walk back into the team mm-hmm. when Sabitzer's been doing so well and we've been getting the results? Yeah, uh, You know, to, I mean, it, it's at some point you have to side, like we talked about, um, you talked about the team being more important than the player and is in terms of Lewandowski and letting him go. Yeah. Like it's not, you, nobody owns a spot. It's mm-hmm. your spot to win back. So mm-hmm. the onus is on you. If you feel that you deserve to be in that starting spot uh, and so much so that you're going to say it directly to the manager's face, then show him Yeah. and the coaching staff, you mm-hmm. know, it's one thing if the coach is overlooking something, but I really don't think Nagelsmann is doing that. I always think his intent is good. Yeah. Uh, Dino Topmuller as well, you know, his, his, the rest of his staff, I think they're addressing the issues. At some point, it comes down to the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could have had, you know, oh, wow. I, I was about to say Ancelotti just because uh, Real Madrid <laughs> for a while were the only team with 100% record, but I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, he had a terrible tenure at Bayern. Yeah. So probably not a great example. Yeah. Uh, man. Klopp. Well, let's just yeah. use Klopp. Yeah, uh, we could have. I mean, even though Liverpool's not having a fantastic season, yeah, uh, could have had Klopp in the box yesterday, but he mm-hmm. could have been saying the same things Nagelsmann was. But you can't mm-hmm. literally get out there and move the players yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like physically, so at some yeah. point, the onus has got to be on the players and not just the manager if he's getting the decisions right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I don't for that reason, I don't think that even the board uh, is gung-ho on trying to get rid of him especially when you always look at the criterion of right Bayern like to have a German manager German speaker pedigree in Europe is a plus even though Nico Kobach didn't really have that when he came on board nor his brother mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of those things um and obviously we're not going to talk Yup Heinkus out of retirement again <laughs> leave the guy alone, let him enjoy yeah. retirement yeah. with his family yeah um so uh I just like I don't see that as a realistic possibility unless things still just go drastically wrong. But Mm. as I've mentioned on Twitter, you know, this team, Bayern Munich, plays a lot of their best football when their backs are against the wall. So I'm excited to see what the response is going to be after the international break personally. And I don't think the plans involve considering Nagelsmann's future at this early stage.
0: That's true. Where I'm going to disagree on is the dressing room. Whenever we've heard a lot of voices coming out of the dressing room that usually signals trouble. And to be fair, players, that's fair. I, yeah. I mean,
1: is there any, anyone else besides Goretzka that's been really vocal? So Bill attributes
0: year. a lot of things. I'm not sure if it's Bill actually, but <laughs> a lot of attribution goes to unnamed player. So-and-so uh, yeah, who's yeah, unhappy yeah, exactly. with Nagelsmann's style of play. Last season, we did hear those rumors and they turned out to be Lewandowski about playing about giving Sane more emphasis and cutting down the number of chances that was going to Lewandowski.
1: Yep.
0: But there's enough for me there. Especially, there was something yesterday about Nagelsmann wanting to meet with his players before they went on international break because he just couldn't believe how his players were performing. And then there are rumors coming out suggesting that the players are unhappy with the fact that Nagelsmann never blames himself. <laughs> and Nagelsmann is very young. Bayern has had younger coaches than him historically. Yep. But sometimes that belies a little bit of a lack of maturity. And what I am seeing are too many disgruntled voices. I think he gives everyone ample playing time, but I think he's afraid to rest Kimmich, which I understand. But Gravenberg should get a chance. He's a world-class player. Just like Masrawi is getting a chance only because Pava is injured. If Pava yeah. wasn't injured, Masravi would have been left rotting on that bench and we would have no idea how good he can be.
1: Yeah, and we never would have saw how solid he was against Barcelona. He exactly.
0: So to me, there's enough question marks over Nagelsmann. He is the one who likes playing without that number nine. Lewandowski so, is gone.
1: I would add this. like you. Mentioned, yeah. Do you think he's afraid to make even more bigger decisions that would cause Bayern fans to say, what are you doing Um, from the get go in the same vein as giving a guy like Kimmich arrest or benching him or leaving him out of the squad altogether? Do you think he's maybe reluctant to do that? Like just dropping Mane altogether? Do you think he's uh, reluctant to do something like that?
0: I think to an extent he is because player power is a lot more at Bayern than at any other club that he has managed. In Hoffenheim and Leipzig, he was given free reign to do whatever he wanted. There was, there were voices. There was player power. We know Kramerich has a certain amount of power at Hoffenheim. But at Leipzig, it was a team of ordinary players that was greater than the sum of its parts. Now, some of those Leipzig guys are really, really good. Don't get and, me wrong. Yeah, maybe if you work. have
1: uh, Oliver Kahn watching over you, <laughs> you don't really want to take too many risks.
0: No, no.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to have you a bad day don't. and then mm-hmm. have to report to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And his face did not look happy after that. No, yeah,
1: absolutely mm-hmm. not.
0: Yeah. Right now, there hasn't been that many voices coming out from the Bayern hierarchy talking about Nagelsmann. But they don't really talk about situations like that. They just do it. I got caught off when Klinsman was fired. I got caught off guard when Kovach was fired because the results were bad. But there was almost no sound about it. No sound bites. It just happened. And I woke up the next day and Bayern didn't have a manager. Again. <laughs> so... I mean, I've stuck by the point that we should allow him to see out the season. How do you think the board is assessing the situation?
1: As far as the board just worrying about Nagelsmann, I think that's uh, something. They're constantly making assessments on everything. I think that's part of their job, especially when things don't go right. They have to look at the areas where there can be improvements whether it's communication between the coaching staff and the players, whether it's players voicing unrest in the dressing room, either named or unnamed, obviously as we talked about earlier from build these uh quote unquote unnamed players and sources, but yeah, it's part of their job. They're not psychoanalyzing, but often just analyzing, you know, even the most minute little details about the inner workings of Bayern Munich and the relationship between all of the staff members, the players and, and whatnot. So while it is something that they're always worrying about and trying to better and keeping their eye on, I don't necessarily mean that would directly translate to, um, coming to the decision that it is time to make or break with Julian Nagelsmann. And especially with the amount of money mm-hmm. that we spent, Sam, was he, is he still the most expensive yes. manager? transfer? Yeah. Fee, I was like, listening
0: ever? to, I was listening <clears throat> to Manuel Veth on Tuesday, I think game pressing. And he mentioned he remains the highest, um,
1: yeah highest
0: payment ever made for a coach there we go so i mean
1: i i mean i don't really think if it's just something where they feel that it would look bad if they made that huge investment and then let him go that would be something that would prevent them from needing to making a change if it absolutely needed to be made yeah but i i still think that showed like that is a long-term investment plan um and it would be uh perhaps a little bit naive to just Cut ties. Last season, the amount of COVID cases we had, uh, mm-hmm. and the whole vaccine thing with Kimmich, the amount of matches yeah. he missed, uh, Alfonso Davies with his bout of myocarditis. Mm-hmm. Um, like, look at that! Like the uh, kickoff Rukuruunda match against Gladbach. Like, look at no, the starting nobody. eleven. Yeah, yeah, look at the starting eleven we fielded. Like, there's so so many little factors that like previous managers had not had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hansi Flick would be the only other one only Hansi Flick because he was that 2019-20 season that was paused because of COVID uh, and then returned with Geister Spiele but we obviously all know what happened with that season obviously a treble, a historic treble. and most of us do miss Hansi Flick but obviously he's moved on to different things as we know mm-hmm. uh, with Die Mannschaft. so and even this season you know you don't want to excuse it away but whether you're the greatest manager of all time or you're just a manager of like a beer league team, if you have to play this amount of matches in this condensed window, especially and a lot of teams like on the lower end of the uh the table, Sam or perhaps midway down, um maybe they don't have as many players going away these next couple of weeks for the international break. And so Right. They can kind of use this as a rest recuperation, but like Straße is going to be a pretty, pretty damn empty place <laughs> during the Absolutely. international break. So it's Absolutely. not as if these guys are getting a rest. They're just going to, you know, their uh, respective national duties and, you know, using their excursions there. And mind you, this is the last chance a lot of these national team managers are going to get. To see tactical changes, to see certain players before they jet off to Qatar. And mm-hmm. you no, know, that's really not a time when you're experimenting. You want to have your final plan set in stone uh, for the big dance, mm-hmm. if you will. So if there's anything, a lot of things to consider. I mean, yeah. I, I think that works in Nagelsmann's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that they would much rather um, try to figure things out with him right. as opposed to... I, I know obviously a lot of people say, oh, well, Thomas Tuchel is available. He's someone you are looking at. <laughs> Uh, before yeah. we hired Nico Kovac. And, yeah. you know, people call it like the, the Tuchel shadow. Yeah. Certain clubs, like every manager is going to be like, oh, God. If Tuchel's I don't start free. doing well, yeah, yeah. Tuchel's out there. So, um, but yeah. I mean, I, I'd have a hard time seeing that happen at Bayern unless, you know, the, yeah. the rest of the Hinrunda, Hinrunda just implodes. But with the talent and the quality we have, I, I highly yeah. doubt that happens. <laughs> I really hope it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. You know, there's one person watching this situation with great interest. And that's our former manager, Hansi Flick. He must be looking at this gimmick situation and saying, I told you so. See? So (laughs) how do you think our players' drop in form is going to impact Flick and how he sets up the national team?
1: I think he has the luxury of oversight. So this is a guy who knows Mm -hmm. pretty much like there's only been departures, really, um, other than um, Mane, Upamakano. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who else is. Would there be anybody else? Mazraoui and Gravenberg. Yeah, there and Delict. There aren't really many players at Bayern that Hansi Flick didn't already manage and doesn't have incredible mm-hmm. familiarity with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even uh, that that is even the, geez, that isn't even like the uh, the only criterion, right? Because he was Yahim uh, loves yeah sidekick for how long, so he knows the ins and outs of most of these guys. Obviously, yeah, Rebel with us and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time on the Bayern touchline, so. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said, he has that luxury of oversight. So he can see mm-hmm. perhaps different angles that Nagelsman can't and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is where these guys are, you know, perhaps getting into the wrong areas for Bayern, or this is where Nagelsman perhaps is getting it wrong. I know that those guys actually do have direct consultation with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. every so often. I'm not too sure how often that would be because oftentimes it's like, you know, the national team managers getting squabbles with the club managers because they're like, yeah. hey, protect my assets. Please don't mm-hmm. use them necessarily. But the national team manager is like, well, I only get them for X amount of time. Yeah. So I'm going to use them for, for the results. Mm-hmm. So I think he has, like I said, that luxury. Um, and I honestly think Germany's going to win uh, both of their games. I don't have any doubts. Yeah, I just think he based off of all that experience and being able to kind of view everything from a little bit of an outward lens that he can say, okay, this is maybe what you guys were doing wrong at Bayern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how I, I can, you know, fix the uh, the puzzle pieces when it's uh, a demon shaft kit. And mm-hmm. Mind you, while it is just a heavy Bayern contingent, there are players from other clubs that are in, you know, a good run of form. So yeah. I don't, I don't see it jeopardizing the German national team too, too much. But with that said, Sombrin, so this is the Nations League. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does kind of have bearing yeah. on seeding mm-hmm. uh, for pots for tournaments to come. And obviously mm-hmm. uh, the Euros in 2024 being in Germany, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that um, is a big deal. You don't want to just completely downplay that. But mm-hmm. obviously this one, I give a, get a little leeway while I am confident not yeah. really bothered, even if they lose both of them, because this is really just, um, you know, you're fine tuning because the the real important stuff comes in a couple of months in Qatar. Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of people are kind of looking at this international break, like it's kind of a drag, but, you know, just you can only play the matches as a player and as a manager. You can only take care of the matches that are in front of you. These aren't the guys that pick the schedule. These yeah. aren't the guys that pick where the World Cup is being played. Obviously, yeah. you know, all the controversy that surrounds... Um uh cutter or Qatar, however you're uh-huh. supposed to pronounce it. Um so yeah. like yeah, it is what it is. Flick just needs to figure out, make some of his final decisions before um uh, before they jet off in the winter yeah. November.
0: Yeah. This is his last chance to take a look at the national pairs. and honestly, it exactly. might be good for them to spend time with a coach who knows them so well who had them clicking at probably the highest level that I've ever seen Bayern. The Hanks teams were more balanced, and Flick's teams were more about power. And maybe Nagelsmann can even learn something from it about how to yeah. use about how to use his players. Because I'm sure Muller will play. Sane and Gnabry will probably get a look in if they'll not play full both both the matches in its entirety. Muziala will probably also get some time on the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how these players set up. Around a coach who they know well, and that might be a good or a bad thing for Nagelsmann because if they play better than they have been doing at club level, that's a huge question mark about how Nagelsmann is managing that dressing room.
1: Yeah, and exactly.
0: That's my that's my worry with Nagelsmann. That I I like you, and I think majority of the supporters want to see Nagelsmann see out at least this season, and see where we end up. Unless we lose to Victoria Poulsen twice, that that can't happen. <laughs> sorry that that yeah. just can't happen. but where I get tripped up is if he has lost the dressing room, then he needs to go now. And there are some indications that he may have. There was a report coming out, a rumor, a report about how stanis substitution on, against Augsburg took place because Kimmich did not want to play at right back. Now, imagine Kimmich going up to Flick and saying, I don't want to play right back. That doesn't happen. We won the Champions League with Kimmich at right back. Yep. So, I think with Nagelsmann's age and because he doesn't hold that professional player status. Flick had five years at Bayern as a player. Kovac played for Bayern. Robert Kovac also... Robert Kovac- I think both Kovac brothers played for Bayern. And then it begs the question, do players take him seriously enough? You have to win the dressing room over when you come to Bayern. It doesn't work the other way around. There's a lot of big stars, a lot of players who have won everything there is to win. And this, this break will tell not just us, but the board a lot about how things really are in the dressing room and whether Nagelsmann really has a grip on things. And I think, like you, on the other side of the break, I'm really interested to see what happens. I I think the team is playing well. I actually don't think the team is playing poorly. The defense has been up to standard. The attack needs to finish its chances. The passing in the final third has been poor. But this is not like... The Bayern that we saw lose 5-0 to Gladbach or the Bayern that we saw lose 5-1 to Frankfurt years ago. So I'm hoping the best for Nagelsmann, but I don't think his players are necessarily all wishing him the best. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens.
1: On uh, Samrin, are you ready for this? Yeah. So, so I was just looking at it. I know I've uh, taken a gander before yeah. just out of curiosity, and I actually will always uh, look at it to check my availability. It's like, oh, am I going to be at work during this yeah. kickoff? Yeah. Uh, is there something going on with the family on a weekend yeah. day, perhaps? Am I going to be able to cover yeah. <clears throat> You know, and watch intently? So listen to this. When we mm-hmm. get back from the international break, mm-hmm. the 30th uh, at home. Leverkusen. Against Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. Leverkusen and then uh, Victoria Pilsen. But guess what's right after? Can you guess?
0: No, wait. We played them already.
1: What's right after uh, Pilsen? Big fixture. What's the first fixture you're looking for as a Bayern fan? Dortmund. Camp? Yep. Derek Oh, Der my God. At the Stadion. Oh, boy. That is in between our two matches against uh, uh, yeah. Pilsen in the Champions League. And then guess who we play in the league at home <clears throat> right after that second match. Think top end of the table. Freiburg. Yep.
0: Oh my god!
1: So not only is everything we're talking about going to come into play, and it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they respond, but yeah, yeah, they're going to need to respond because you can't not respond with the uh, the schedule that they have. When you've got Dortmund, Leverkusen, and Freiburg as your first three league Those matches back,
0: three games are going to be make or break for Nagelsmann. Yeah, he needs to I pick out about at least one the same. or three wins. Yeah and yeah.
1: season defining you know mm-hmm. uh and you'd think we could get away with rotating and still taking care of mm-hmm. you know, but god help us if we don't <laughs> and uh you know yeah you can't not you can't not respond yeah positively against those three opponents and expect a result so yeah. uh yeah yeah while i equal parts mm-hmm. nervous and terrified for that like mm-hmm. i know um schnitzel and i are very much team optimism so Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Backs against the wall. Let's see what happens. Show us what you're made of, Bayern Munich.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And on that note, we'll be available during the International Week. We always are. But as always, thank you for all the support. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at the Barrett blog, at TommyAdams71, with yours truly here, Tom, at yep. BFWN, and more. This has been me, Samrin, and Tom on our flagship show. Tom, any last words?
1: Um, I would just say, don't get too down. Mm-hmm. Keep the glass half full. Uh, there's always things to look forward to and we will bounce back.
0: Exactly. That's, That's
1: my final word.
0: I agree with that. All right. Thank you for listening as always and have a good night.